0: everyone and welcome to the Riffing on Realness Podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high achieving entrepreneurs. and with me is Jennifer Flynn, an intuitive business strategist. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Jennifer and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom.
1: Hello, Jen. Hi, Carla. Good to be back with you. Glad to be back. I'm very excited about our topic today. I am too.
0: We we had a, We just had a discussion last week on uh, an episode last week on uh, on uh, difficult conversations, and it, we just sort of raced right through that and realized at the end that we needed more conversation around that. And we thought we would start today with a discussion in um, coming off of that difficult conversation with uh, the difference between expectations and agreements. And I first heard this from a a super coach called Steve Chandler and uh, I heard an audio and it's an audio that I have that I send to my clients all the time and that I listen to probably once every six months or so because it's so good we haven't learned in our culture how to communicate very well very clearly. So, you know, when my guys, my clients are talking about how difficult it is, and they feel like there's something wrong with them, I'm like, no, man, you haven't learned how to do this. So I'll let you speak. And then I want to tell a story
1: about a client. Well, I would love for you to go a little deeper into um, a little bit of a conversation we had um, at the end of the last session, but I'd like you to recap the difference between agreements and expectations um, and, and go just, you know, go a little more deeply into that. If you can sure. recall what you had said about that, I think sure. giving the listeners context for these things that we're going to talk about and then having that context going into your story would be really powerful.
0: Yes. Expectations are what we all live with all the time. It's sort of like, you know, if you love me, you will X, Y, or Z, you know, if you care about this business, you will thus and such, you know, and, and expectations are often unspoken, uh, or if they're unspoken or if they are spoken, um, they're, you know, I expect you to do this. Well, when I say that to you, Jen, Jen, I expect
1: you to do this. How, how does that feel to you energetically? Like a personal affront, and like you just slapped me upside the face. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. And even if I said it in my little gentle, sweet way, it's an
1: implication to... that I've already failed to meet your expectation.
0: Yes, there's all kind of like baggage with with expectations, and and there's no there's no um, co creation in an expectation, I think. And and yet, it's what we do. It's just what we do. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do that. Um, I expect you to take out the garbage. I expect you to field all these calls, whatever the case may be. And there's very little, if any, real understanding. There's very little clarity. There's certainly no co-creation. An agreement, on the other hand, is a co-creation. It is something like this. It's like, hey, Jen, um, I need this uh, report on my desk by Friday. Uh, as opposed, like an expectation would be, hey, Jen, you know, you got to get this, ex- you got to get this report to me on Friday, okay? Now, if you, if I tell you that, and I don't know what's going on in your world or, or whatever, then Friday comes and you don't have it on my desk, then I get mad. I expected you to have this on my desk by Friday, Jen, and you didn't. I don't know what's going on. Now, if I come to you and I say, hey, Jen, I need this on my desk by Friday. Is that something that you can do? and then you might oh, need to happen in order
1: for you to be able to do or that or
0: what what needs to happen and you might come back and say i would love to have it on your desk by friday but there's no way in hell i can do that now if you could give me an extra person to assist me then i could do it if you can't then i need to wait till monday how does that sound to you and then so you're co you're co-creating an agreement you're you're putting out clearly what what needs to be what needs to happen you know, like I need you to take out the garbage spouse or or partner or whatever. Can you do that? Is that something you can do? Well, I can do it on Mondays and Thursdays and Fridays, but I can't do it on Tuesdays because I get home too late. You know, whatever. You have a conversation. You go into that deeper understanding that we were talking about in the, our last episode you know you know when an expectation really has very little understanding of what what's going on for you but an agreement is about understanding it's about creating an understanding among the two of you or the team of you or whomever and so agreements are co-created now then if a coat if an agreement breaks down then There's some way to go in there and see, well, what happened? Did I not give you the right amount of help? Did I not? Now it's not as this personal, you don't like me or you don't care about the business or you just don't love me, or, you know, now it's like, oh, there was some part of this that didn't, let's go back in and tweak it and see where things kind of got off rail. And it's just much cleaner, clearer, um, just more emotionally, psychological, better hygiene, if you will.
1: 100%. And I think that there's a big part of that where we get trapped in this idea of, um, things being handed down or directives and not having as much say in how we execute on them. And we're setting people up for disappointment to be disappointed or to disappoint us. And I think, you know, one of the things that most of us are trying to avoid is disappointing someone. Yes. We, many people have a great fear around disappointment. And, you know, when you talk about it in the context of, um, expectations versus agreements. I also think about compromise versus collaboration mm. An old school relationship. We talk mm. about how you have to compromise mm. and, um, and relationship isn't just romantic relationship. You're in relationship with your team. You're in relationship with your spouse, your family, your friends, your coworkers. We're all in relationship as human beings and social creatures. Mm-hmm. But this idea of compromise is the giving up of power that if you have to, you know, give up something for the greater good, you're still giving something up and it's not a sustainable long-term modality for having conversations or experiences with people. Whereas collaboration opens it up for everybody to have discussions about what's possible, what's um, probable, what feels good. And if people are giving up something, they're not giving it up They're trading and compromise doesn't have as much of a trading feel to it. In my Mm -hmm, experience, mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to take away from the story that you're going to share with us. But I think when we think about these things, um, having really good foundational context for terms, I think words matter. I think the words we choose have energy um, and they then translate to. A more meaningful or a more disappointing experience with people. And when we come to the expectation piece, somebody, a coach had taught me when I was in a relationship development program with my former spouse, that our job is to raise our expectations for ourselves and lower them for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it sounds good on paper. And at, at first glance, but I got to the point where I just got really pissed off about that because mm-hmm. all I was doing, it felt like was just giving over all of my power to compromise and to unspoken expectations where somehow I was supposed to always hold myself to a bigger standard than somebody else and that that was going to be okay long term. And I kind of wanted to be like, you know, give the big bird to that. Yeah. And at the but when we talk about collaboration, when we talk about agreements, um, it isn't about somebody holding themselves to a higher standard than someone else. It's about us both working together and carrying equal weight to get something done. Mm-hmm. Well you make a good point too that, that uh, the
0: expectations with ourselves don't work out very well either. But when we can make agreements with ourselves, then we can really sit down and figure out what needs to happen and why and how. And then when we, there's a breakdown, we can go back and say, well, what, where did this break down? As opposed to an expectation is this, this general, you know, it's just, it's just, it just it leads to disappointment. It's a burden and I, it leads to resentment.
1: yes, yeah, so much resentment. more. You're so yeah. Right. So much yeah. more than disappointment, yeah. it's really- and
0: compromise just sounds. It just has a feeling of resentment. I don't want to give up. I don't want to
1: compromise. That doesn't. I don't even- want to give up what I want no. in order for you to get. Give- and where else in the world would both parties give up what they want for something that they both don't want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So collaboration,
0: a co-creation is in order. So I have this client who uh, came to me. He said, I'm just exhausted. I just, I'm doing this, that, and the other thing is too much. I said, well, do less. <laughs> I'm a brilliant coach that way, Jen. <laughs> less. It's so simple. <laughs> just do less. Yeah. And he goes, well, I, I can't. I said, why not? And he said, because of the expectations my company has for me. I said, okay, great let's look at that. You know, how do first of all, how do you know it's an expectation? He said, well, I, I just feel like, I just sort of feel like they want me to do this. So right there, you see,
1: hoping.
0: you know, there, there's not a clarity there. There's not a clear, definite, you know, he don't even know if it's a definite expectation. He just suspects that it is. Now, what I know about his company is that they care. They really, really care. I said, you know what? What would it be like for you to go and talk to these guys just really, really clearly and express to them this part? Because I'm hearing it's just this one little thing that's the issue. It's not your whole work. You do a great job. I know they love it. It's this particular thing that's burdening you in a way that, uh, it, that it's, that's causing you resentment and that you don't want to do. What if you went and just told them how you're feeling, what, it was, what your experience was, and if the, the, you you and they could come to an understanding and an agreement to do this a little bit differently? He said, oh, no, I can't do that. I said, well, I said, why can't you do that? He said, because they'll be disappointed in me. They'll feel like I'm not working hard enough. They'll feel like I don't care.
1: Hmm. I said, well,
0: uh, I, I think that that's made up is what I believe. I said, but even if it's not made up, wouldn't it be nice to know the truth here and what really is uh, what it is they really do want? Uh, and he, I said, do you think you can go have this conversation? I said, I know they care. I know they want your best. Would you be willing to have this conversation? He said, yes, I'll do it. Well, he, we hung up, about three hours later, he texted me. He said, I told them what was going on and how hard this was. And they said, stop doing it. And I'm free from it now. You know, so it, it's just like we have—we get caught up even if even if the other person doesn't expect it. We think they expect it. We decide they expect it even when they haven't expected it. But even if they have expected it, if we can go have a real and honest and straightforward and clear conversation, uh, then then something else might be able to be co-created. And I've seen this happen many, many times, personally, professionally, and with my clients when they, but, but the resistance, Jen, is what we talked about in our last episode, is just that fear, you know, of, How is it going to be perceived? How is it going to be received? What if it doesn't, you know, and the worst case was, Jen, he came back and said, they said,
1: no, you got to keep doing it. That could have happened. That could have been more resourced at that point on how he could do it. Yes.
0: Yes. So it opens up a lot of possibility when you go and you have uh, conversations based around agreements, co-creation, rather than these expectations.
1: (laughs) Isn't it interesting how when we don't know how people feel, we assume? Oh, yes. We always assume the worst because we're yeah. driven by the fear of disappointment. And we also assume that we are, instead of the interesting thing, and I, I realize I'm going to make a broad stroke generalization here, but. Um, One of the reasons why I think people need, especially in the workplace, so much positive reinforcement and affirmation is because as a, you know, and maybe we could chalk this up to toxic culture, but as, you know, human nature, we tend to assume we're doing a bad job unless we're being told we're doing a good job Mm -hmm. instead of what would it look like if we just assumed we're doing great And that, um, the only reason we would have any other assumption is if we're getting talked to, Mm -hmm. and I have employers, you know, a lot of my clients are employers and they are always operating from the place of, if they're not doing a good job, I would be telling them, I don't know why they need so much praise and affirmation Mm -hmm. because if they weren't doing it right, I'd be telling them. But Mm -hmm. the reality is we all operate from a place of expectations and when we don't, see or hear we make up a story and more often than not when we don't know how somebody feels we're assuming that it's not good hmm mm-hmm. That is so, so true. And I, I think
0: part of it is, uh, you know, the brain's negativity bias. Part of it is just the fear of being picked
1: out, kicked out of our tribe. Which you is know, reptilian. You know, it, it is. fear it is. was, we lived in a society in a time when you could get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger, where right? right. you lived in fear to survive. Right. That it served you at that point. It doesn't serve us now.
0: Yeah. There's something I, I heard, saw a quote, you know, like we do we're, we say to ourselves so often what if this doesn't work out what if this doesn't work out what if this doesn't work out and i heard somebody say you know s- flip it what if this does work out
1: what if people are also just scared of that though have you not noticed that people are also just as afraid of like what if this works i hear clients say to me all the time when we stretch their in their goals and we shoot bigger that, you know, the, the, what if this doesn't work actually starts to become when they go through some growth and development, and some mindset shifting, they actually get also afraid of what if it does work? Like, Oh my God, what if I do have all this success? What if I am seen? What if, you know, we are just wired for fear. Yeah. 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 It's so Where interesting. Who am I? Yeah. You know, you know I just, I, I just, yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, in the negative bias, too, it's like, well, who am I to do this? You know, and what if we flip that? Who are you not to do this? Right, right. But we, right, right. we are wired in that, in that negative bias. Yes,
0: yes, yes. It's so, so interesting. I know that, 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 that every, all of our listeners can identify to some extent with this. I was watching, I, I watched a, uh, a, a TED Talk by Tim Ferriss the other day.
1: Oh, I love him.
0: And it was it was called um, why you should define your fears instead of your goals, and he calls that fear setting instead of goal setting. Hmm. And I'm going to dig into it deeper, Jen, because I was so impressed. It's 13 minutes. If you if if our listeners want to go listen to it, it's only 13 minutes long. It's a TED Talk. Ten Fairs, defining your fears. And uh, and it was so good. I wish I you know, I'm a I'm a low fact finder on my Colby gin, So I don't remember details. I take what I want and then I discard everything else, unfortunately or fortunately saves energy, I guess. But he talked about defining your fears and getting really realistic about them rather than they driving you. You uh, you recognize them, you give them, you, you validate them, you hear them, you see them. But then you you examine them, you you test them, you you kind And he has a whole little thing he does, um, where he defines the fear, something like I'm going to run out of money, uh, you know, or business is going to fail or whatever. And then you go through. I think he talks about prevention and repair and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Folks can look that up, and and we might have more to say about that in a later episode. But I love that rather than just because what I see is like, I, I had an old client I hadn't had not had a conversation with in, the, in a year or two. And he texted me and said, man, I just keep getting these no's again and again and again. And they seem so right. And a no again and again and again. And then he said, I just don't know what to do about it. And uh, But I know, I know that God has big things in store for me. And that's why I'm getting the no's. And my response to him was, man, that's a great place to land. But don't bypass your disappointment. Allow yourself a minute to go into and feel the disappointment, to feel the fear, to feel the anger about all that. Don't bypass that stuff to, you know, God's got great plans for me. Sure, that's a great place to land. But don't bypass these emotions because there can be valuable information there and something that you might be missing that if you could just acknowledge these, this disappointment, it's Okay. There's no problem with with having your grief, and I know we had another episode about those kinds of things the other day. Uh, but I think that when we can get clear about that and and give some voice to that, I think we're freer then to move on to to more what's more possible.
1: Oh, I think that's so important. And and I think it's easy to breeze past uncomfortable feelings, just like it is uncomfortable conversations and we stuff them. And I think what I've noticed, and we've talked about this in a previous episode about, you know, energy um, in motion. That's what emotion is energy in motion. And, you know, it wants to move through you. It wants to be acknowledged and experienced. And if we fail to do that and we stuff it away, it's like taking that file folder and putting it at the back of the file cabinet and the reality is it's going to find its way back to the front as we're moving other things We're all we're doing is storing it for later Mm -hmm. and it'll be triggered and brought forth to the front of that drawer by some other seemingly unrelated thing Mm -hmm. but we really have to feel those disappointments we have to acknowledge them and there's no shame in it but you know we we also talked about this in a previous episode too where it was just about you know we're not you're not supposed to experience any negative emotions and it's like we can't be in negative person and you have to just be spiritual and positive all the time but the reality is how do you even experience positivity in its fullest greatness if you don't first understand or experience the negativity you have no experience by contrast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't have those if you don't acknowledge them yeah
0: and 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 it also makes me think jen that it's also important to you know when we're in difficult conversations there's absolutely nothing wrong with Sharing our disappointments within the, you know, like I'm really disappointed that this happened, or I'm really disappointed that y'all, blah blah blah. You know, I'm really angry about this, or I'm, I'm very sad about this. To give voice to that in our conversations is not a bad thing, but I mean, it's scary, Jen. Especially, you know, because I don't want people to think I'm mad at them, but I
1: am. <laughs> but they think I am those are the things that prevent us from also sharing deeply and having meaningful connection. Like when we feel like we're in an environment where we can only be polished and we can only have the, the external veneer of how we feel um, you know, there there's no way to deeply connect. And I kind of rank connection. Like, I mean, there's multiple levels of it, but if we're going to break it into the three, we've got like the level one, which is what I call grocery store talk, yeah. which is when you meet somebody over the connection at the produce section and you encounter them like, Oh, Hey, how are the kids? How are you? How's work? It's light superficial mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. And then there's the level two talk, which is kind of about people and things And then the level three is where you actually create a safe and sacred space to share deeply where you can talk about the top 5% of what's going well. Mm -hmm. And the bottom 5% of things that are not going well. And we don't share top or bottom 5% with with people very readily because of what you were talking about. What will people think? Mm -hmm. They're going to think I'm bragging. They're going to think, I think I'm better than them. If we share the top 5% and we really celebrate our big successes. If we share the bottom 5%, they're going to think I'm a fraud. They're going to think, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, there's all those other things. But I think really what we need as humans are opportunities to connect in a way where we can share that top and bottom five percent where we can get our ass kicked to reach our beauty our you know our biggest um version of self and be pushed towards it and also a soft place to land where when things suck we can have a judgment free it doesn't define who we are it's just part of the human experience but those are Those are all things that are kind of difficult because we have expectations of how people are going to act and how they're going to act in various um, settings. And we don't have agreements as humans that we get to be authentically who we are and we have grace and acceptance for whether that is the top 5% or the bottom 5% in any given day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get caught in that trap of um, you know, I've been in the experience where I'm afraid to share the top 5% because I don't feel like other people want me to do well because somehow it means they're being less if yeah. I'm being more. Yeah. Um, just like at the bottom of that, you don't want them to think that you're struggling too because now suddenly you've lost your credibility right. for your success. Oh, gosh, Jen, I have suffered from both of those.
0: And and you know, and it, and it's not that I'm screwed up that I've suffered from those. It's that we live in this toxic culture that does this to us, you know, that's, that splits off our heart from our mind, that, that tells us we can't have our messy emotions. That tells us that to be evolved and spiritual is, uh, means that we're always feeling good and happy and, and grateful. And, and it's not reality. And it, it, I think it's causing us tremendous suffering and pain, to not be able to do that, I, I know that um, you know with some f- financial success I'm having that I, I do have a couple of friends that that I withhold because they are struggling so much in that arena that I don't. This is my excuse. I don't want I don't want them to feel worse than they already feel, and and but I'm I'm minima I'm I'm I am um, hurting our connection. By not sharing the good times and the bad times. So you're right, it can be both the top 5% and the the bottom 5%. And I think, you know, when I was doing my art, Jen, and I was uh, had my fine art photography gallery, like somehow artists get to be screwed up. And there was something that felt so freeing to me. (laughs) You know, just I could just be kind of messy and screwed up when I was, but then when I got back into my coaching again, because I took some time off to do that, and then I came back to my coaching. I'm like okay now. I've got to. I have to have it all together, and it's a lie. It's an illusion, and it keeps us from having these honest conversations, uh, and moving away from the expectations, and moving into agreements and collaboration. Um, it's a it's a lie that I don't get to be a messy human being as a coach.
1: Well, we compromise our truth, and mm-hmm. um, for the um, good opinions of others.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fear. And, uh,
0: you know, it's, it's, uh, the other thing, you know, I want to say, we do have about five minutes left, Jen, is that it is a skill we can develop. And it's a skill, it's a skill we mu- we need to develop. It's not this automatic thing that we know how to do. It's not We're not going to, you know, we're not going to have this conversation and then y'all are going to go out there listeners and say, oh, okay, I just have to go have agreements now and I just have to be, no, it's going to be messy. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to be terribly uncomfortable. You're going to feel some fear. You're probably going to feel some anger because I feel anger a lot uh, when I'm really, when I'm afraid because it's easier, it feels easier to, to feel angry than, than afraid. Uh, and and you just have to go do it, and you have to practice it and I promise as you practice it, you will
1: get better at it oh, i I agree wholeheartedly, and I think that. In order to cultivate that skill, we need safe space. We need a trusted circle of people around us that allow us to have safe training grounds to practice that skill, to cultivate that skill. Um, We need leadership experiences. And and bottom line, we need experience. The only way you get that skill is through experience. You're not going to just read about it and then magically acquire it. You're going to um, need to have, have an experience where you get to create that skill Mm -hmm. and experience only comes. It's not all in a positive, a positive way. Experience comes from having poor outcomes. It doesn't come from positive outcomes. Experience comes from poor outcomes Mm -hmm. and learning what we can do differently. And to your point, fear is a big driver of our, our ability to engage in those experiences Um, in the first place, but also, you know, part of the story we tell when they don't go well. And I'm like you, anger for me is always more accessible than fear. And if we look at the Abraham Hicks 22 emotions, which, you know, our listeners can Google the Abraham Hicks scale of emotions. If you look at those emotions, one through 22, fear is actually below (laughs) Anger. So we would much rather be higher up the scale, feeling a feeling, than lower down the scale, which is kind of a natural thing. It's actually a positive thing to be one more rung up the ladder. And I look at that often where anger is concerned. And I think, well, anger is above the hopelessness and despair. Mm -hmm. Anger is above so many emotions. In fact, if we can get to anger, we're actually working our way up the scale. Mm -hmm um in a pretty positive place I'm not suggesting that we all go around and be angry but my suggestion is that we don't judge it Mm -hmm. that we acknowledge that it's a feeling and that it's a better feeling than others Mm -hmm. and that we're always striving for what is just one rung above where I am right now I don't have to get from happiness to joy but can I get from happiness or can I get from anger to or I don't have to get from anger to joy, mm-hmm. but can I get from anger to what's the next thing up the ladder, and just one rung at a time, climb the ladder? And sometimes for me,
0: I have to go down a rung and fully feel that before uh, it makes sense for me to go up to the next rung. But you said a couple of things. I just want to uh, um, uh, um, pinpoint, which is that you know, I, I always say that that mistakes and failure are the path to success. You know, they are that path. Success and failure are the path to mastery. That is the path. And the other thing you said I want to highlight is just about creating safety. You know, my guys during the pandemic who own this company together. Um, and they live in different places, some of them, uh, they were not feeling the connection. And so every time they were talking about business, and it was it was just hard, hard work. And so I recommend I said, you know what, on Friday afternoons, get on a zoom call and have a cocktail hour, just just don't talk about business, just connect. And deepen that connection and talk about what's going on in your life personally. And they started doing that and they love it. And that's like creating that so that when they do have to have a difficult conversation at some point, they've really created a nice, um, safe connection to be able to tolerate the difficult connections, that foundation they have in place.
1: Absolutely. And you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, everything we've talked about um, in many of our episodes does come down to connection.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jen. This was a, this was a lot of fun riffing with you today and I look forward to our next episode. As do I always. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Jennifer Flynn. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at carlaroyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. You will find Jennifer at thebalancemaven.com. Through her uniquely balanced approach, she combines an omnipresent, intuitive gift with experience informed strategies to help spiritually minded business owners safely explore their soul's edges and strategically build a business that is a vehicle for a life they love to live. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness.